And welcome back to the Heather McCoy Show. Joining us on the line is Robert Larson. He comes to us from the other side of the Cleveland National Forest. Welcome to the show, Robert. Hey, Heather. Thanks for having me. Great to have you with me. Um, So we're going to start off with this really awesome story from Hesperia. A woman gave birth to a 15-year-pound or 15-pound baby, not a 15-year-old baby. That would be kind of creepy. Um, <laughs> so, so uh, a whole C-section, and um, as you said before, uh, report this under the ouch file. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> file that under ouch. Um, yeah, a 15-pound baby. I mean, a, a, as a man, I mean, just childbirth, period, sounds freaky and scary, and I would never want to do that. <laughs> and uh you know, a seven or eight pound baby would be bad. And uh, 10 pound is considered big. Now, this is a 15 pound baby. Now, um, I, I suppose it could be vaginally delivered, but I, I um, maybe because of the size, they chose to go to cesarean. But um, that is a really, really big baby. Um, the In 2013 in the U.S., the largest baby born was 14 pounds. And this one uh, over in Hesperia is like 15 pounds, two ounces. So, uh, uh, you know, more than a full pound more. Wow. They're saying 24 inches. I, I'm not sure on the length of babies, but I think that's pretty long. <laughs> yeah, that's really big. Is it like a like post-delivery day? It has just wanted to stay in the womb a little bit longer, or is there any word on that part? Um, the story I read, it, it didn't say that, but you think, wow, was yeah, was it in there 10 or 11 months? Uh, so, uh, yeah, the story I read on it was just kind of also was kind of giving these statistics, and, and it said that this one kind of blew my mind, that the biggest... Uh, newborn ever recorded <laughs> was in 1879 a baby at 23 pounds 12 ounces wow and that you know that's before all of the ways that for, for conception yeah and i'm thinking uh yeah i mean i they did do cesareans back then um but i don't know i i i hope it was cesarean I, <laughs> for for her sake but um Wow. wow, that's just, uh, but yeah, so Hesperia is kind of on the map now, so that's the biggest baby, at least for the over the last year in the U.S., so uh, that, that's really large. That's very large. Speaking of large, uh, in Marietta, police seized $5 million worth of meth, which is a mind-boggling amount of meth due to the fact that it's usually cheap. Yeah, this is, uh, they're not giving out a lot of information on this story, but uh, just uh, because... I guess the Murrieta Police Department still has a uh, an investigation open on this, but three men uh, from Hemet were arrested, and yeah, as you said, five million dollars that that's that's a lot of methamphetamine, and so it uh, sort of uh, plays into the stereotype of this being a, a meth capital, the Inland Empire out here. I mean, it's a stereotype, but it's also there. It's it's true that in the sense that their uh, meth production is it's one of the largest places in the uh, in the US for meth uh, production and and I believe consumption as well. Yeah. So, uh yeah, not not going to um put any water on that uh, notion. <laughs> so uh, yeah, but if we get any more information on this we'll uh report it to you Heather, but that's that's a lot of uh methamphetamine. Definitely and 
In the city of Willamar, a deputy mayor has proposed a pledge saying that the candidates for city government can't take any money from developers. This is one man super, super opposed. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, it's actually in Menifee, which is right Oh, it's next. Menifee. Oh, okay. I thought, it was, I thought you said Willamar. They're, okay. they're right next door to each other. And they, oh, okay. Equal amounts of weirdness going on. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, okay. But, uh, yeah, um, so the guy's name is Wally Edgerton. He has put forward this proposal and wants, like, everybody who is on the city council or who is going to be running in the upcoming election to to take this pledge saying that they won't take money from uh, developers. I, I think, personally, that's a great idea because there's certain taint when people are taking large amounts of money from developers. There are things that have gone on in this area that you do wonder if there was lax enforcement, lax regulation that led to certain problems and that, that somebody might tend to be really lax about uh, developers being regulated if they were taking a lot of money from them. Yeah. So it seems like he's sort of making a stand against uh, corruption. Uh, now, the one guy who's opposed to this on the city council uh, – his name John Denver, not not that John Denver, <laughs> <laughs> but or not Bob Denver from Gilligan's Island fame. Yeah. But anyway, uh, John Denver, he's opposed to this. Now he works in the real estate field, so kind of makes you wonder about his uh, um, motivation there. But he claims that Edgerton is just doing this. It's all politically motivated because Edgerton is supporting. Who is her? Who Denver's presumptive opponent in the upcoming election? And Edgerton says, "No, I've proposed this many years back. I've proposed, you know, put it forward before. It's not like a new thing just to go along with this election." And so Denver is kind of saying he doesn't want to support it, and he does he has a kind of there's a funny quote from him where he says, "This tends to put developers in a negative light." Oh, it's not any of the past actions where developers have bought off politicians and uh, <laughs> or anything like that. Contributed know? to urban sprawl. I mean, they've done a lot of things. Yeah, the developers are, are just all such pure and noble creatures, right? <laughs> oh, definitely. Um, in Minifee as well, there's an issue of se- separation of church and spa- state that popped up at a city elementary school there. Oh yeah, yeah, that that one is Temecula. So oh my goodness, where it's it, they're all close together. But yeah, in, in Temecula, this is what happens when you've been working for four days straight over fifteen hours. So yeah, no, I I fully understand. Yeah, oh good god, okay. Yeah, and and if you've never really been in this area, it's kind of hard to picture where all these cities exactly are. But yeah, anyways, Temecula, it's they. A child at the school there, a student, wanted to do this presentation where uh, she was going to talk about the importance of the Star of Bethlehem to her family, and it was going to include a reading of a Bible passage. And the school said no, she couldn't do that, feeling that this was a violation of the separation of church and state, uh, that that's a public school and kids shouldn't be doing religious presentations that other kids would have to be... Uh, subjected to. Mm-hmm. Now, I guess this upset quite a few people in this area who are, uh, 
I don't know if I should say religious extremists, but... <laughs> they don't believe in the church separation of church and state. Let's just put it that way. Yeah, and anyway, they um, had a rally. Uh, I guess 50 people came out and were protesting in front of the school and having... Of course, they had American flags because these Christians, they have a... Uh, stranglehold on what's patriotic right oh yeah definitely and i'm sure that one of the quotes in the story that might have may have got published or may have not got published is you know like this society's gone to hell once we took prayer out of school i'm <laughs> sure that was in there somewhere yeah so the anyway it's like they're saying that their their religious freedom is being trampled on no <laughs> nobody stopped no. going to church yeah no, no. Sorry, yeah. <laughs> you can't you, you can't use elementary school time as your personal like um, oh Christian outreach. That's not cool. Yeah, to sermonize. I mean, what yeah. about the of the child who doesn't want to be subjected to their religion? Yeah, actually, you know what? I actually grew up in a school in Westminster <laughs> that was um, it was Eastwood Elementary, and uh, it was basically a religious school. We did a whole Christmas program, and then. We made the poor uh, girl that was uh, Jehovah's Witness sit in the corner and just watch. It was well, awful. Yeah, it was just, I can't believe we got away with that stuff. And this was ostensibly a public school. Yeah, this is a public school. Wow. And then the, um, the principal there, Mr. Sturgis at the time, uh, he was a born-again Christian, and it operated like a Christian school. <laughs> so I mean these things do happen so like in Minifee or yeah in um, Temecula Temecula that's right in Temecula I'm sure they're used to this kind of thing just happening by default and now that there's some pushback they're kind of confused yeah for sure so I think this time I'll get the city right let's hope three two one Marietta has vernal poles that are disappearing because we have a rainfall did I get that one right? Yeah. Well, Woo! It's it's right outside of Murrieta. It's it's the it's an unincorporated area. The the closest town would be Murrieta, so that was close enough, Heather. <laughs> Yay! So anyway, yeah, there's a really wonderful place here uh, called the Santa Rosa Plateau, and it's a, an ecological uh, reserve. And they have part of it is this thing called the vernal pools, which are seasonal pools that come out in the springtime. Whenever there's rainfall, they, there's a, a large lake is formed. It's it's very shallow, and uh, anyway, it's it's quite a uh, a thing that the Marietta area residents are are proud of. And it's I've been out there. It's really wonderful. It's um, all kinds of interesting species, snakes and frogs and insects and uh, the thing, the most interesting species is it's called the fairy shrimp, and it is one of those creatures that it lives in the water there, but the water dries up every year, and then it comes back. Well, how does it come back if there's no water feeding into it? Well, it's one of those really interesting uh, situations where they the eggs can just live in the soil for a while, for a couple of years. And then when the water comes back, the eggs hatch and they go to adulthood and they mate and lay eggs and the eggs can go right back into the mud, which eventually becomes dry soil and then ready to, to rehatch when the water returns. But there's no water last year and there's no water this year because of the drought conditions, which I'm pretty sure are related to the whole global warming mess. And uh, it's just a really sad thing that... Uh, 
the Murrieta area is kind of losing this attraction, at least for the time being. Hopefully we'll get rain soon, if not this year, next year. I hope so, too. And um, I was talking to um, a relative of mine over dinner tonight, and we were talking about the California drought situation, and I was telling him, well, we can hope, like uh, we can hope for like a May, like in two, or 1992, where um, almost every day in May there is rain, and it rained really hard that year in May. And uh, I think that's our only hope before we're starting to do water rationing, and really bad things are going to happen here in California. Well, I, I sure hope that happens too, Heather. I, yeah, it's really scary. Yeah, it definitely is. And on that very glum note, uh, that, that ends our segment with Robert Larson. He comes to, to us from the other side of the Cleveland National Forest. Thanks for joining us. Oh, it was my pleasure, Heather. Okay, and this, of course, is the Heather McCoy Show. <laughs> 